and welcome to A View in Focus, the show where we talk with entrepreneurs from technology startups and high growth companies. We'll get to hear their stories about entrepreneurship, leadership, strategy, management, and fundraising. I'm your host, Dino De Palma, Managing Partner at True North Advisory, where we work alongside entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and PE firms as their strategic advisors. In today's episode, we have our guest, Jamie Palmer, Director of Product Management at Cisco. Welcome, Jay. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, Dino. It's great to see, see you again. Great to see you again. So, Jamie, I think last time we were together, we were playing a little music at uh, what uh, I would call uh, the, the, the last connections at, at Broadsoft. Yes, that's right. We did have a, a good jam session then. It was fun. I think, I think, at least in our own heads, we were pretty good rock stars. With, with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a ton of fun. Yeah, it always feels like it was a, a great show until you look at the video and then you go, yeah, I don't know, maybe we should stop doing that, but it's always fun. <laughs> it is always a lot of fun. So, you know, I've uh, worked with you through my days at Acme Packet, and then we work uh, together closely at, uh, at Broadsoft. Uh, obviously, I've known you for, for many years, uh, but, you know, would like to have the audience know a little more about, you know, who Jamie was growing up, where'd you grow up, what you do as a kid, just so we get to know you a little better. <laughs> sure. Sure. You want to you go way back or? Yeah, tell me where you were born, what you did in sports as a kid, if you did any. I know you have music interests, but, but we want to get yeah. to know you a little bit. Now, I, I'm uh, like number seven uh, in my family, the baby of our family. We grew up in a dairy farm in East Coast Canada um, in a little town called Woodstock, New Brunswick. And uh, uh, I got to, uh, you know, enjoy playing sports as, as a kid, either either playing softball in the back in the back uh, field uh, where we avoided uh, cow patties uh, when we when we went to slide into the base or uh, we waited till the pond flooded in the winter time and and uh, froze over and we were able to play hockey but I didn't do a lot of sports but uh, but I had a lot of fun growing up just in that type of of uh, atmosphere it was very different than today that's for sure and I, I know you obviously you're like me. You love to play music. You're you're a big musician. Uh, just curious, you know. I know you've you've continued to do that. Is that had any impact or help you in your career in any way? Um, just just trying to find some connections. How, how do you think about that? Music. Yeah, I think it's a, a great outlet. You know, I'm not a, a great musician. My 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 influences were my brothers were always in. You know, they were kind of that '70s era, so they always had bands and and so I was influenced and always wanted to do that but uh but as we uh got to, uh into to broadsoft and it was a great way for you know different organizations to get together and we had like salespeople and product people and engineering people part of the band it was a lot of fun um you know just good teamwork um type of thing and the greatest thing about the the band we did at broadsoft was uh we we rarely got to play except for like like you said, at connections, it was kind of that was the event, and and it forced us to prepare and get ready as individuals because we none of us lived in the same in the same uh, in the same town, so we all ended up just okay. Here, pick the songs. And we'll get together. And we'll practice like one day, uh, one evening at connections before the show, and and so uh, it was a it was a great way to do teamwork and and get together and have a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it's funny. We did the same in ACME uh, packet, and I agree with you. The uh, connection between the different groups, right? You had the sales groups, the engineering groups that wouldn't normally always get together, but you know, for music, we we kind of just got it done, and, and it was great. You know, I, I, it's funny. I didn't know where I was going to start today, but maybe one place to start because you mentioned it is you still live in um, in New Brunswick. Uh, you manage a team, you know, you talked about having to do that when we play music, um, you know, as um, as a tech uh, director of product management, how do you manage your team remotely and how do you make sure you stay connected and are able to get the strategy in place that uh, you think is, is good for the market and, and, and the customers? Curious how you, you get that done um, living in, in New Brunswick. Yeah, I've been, I've been in New Brunswick for, well, I guess it's going on 20 years now. And uh, certainly, um, you know, uh, one of the, the realities is, you know, you, you still end up doing a lot of travel. Certainly when I moved back here, I was on the road a lot and when, you know, doing a lot of meetings with the teams in various parts of the world on the sales side and the go-to-market side. And then of course, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, on-site meetings, we, we'd get together, but, um, Certainly, uh, I couldn't have done it without the technology that we were building, right? Just Unified Communications has made a big a big impact to uh, the ability for people to work remotely. And uh, and we, you know, at Broadsoft, we started doing video calls as, you know, a matter of habit very, very long time ago, right, you know, on our platform. And that, that helped, you know, the FaceTime, I think, is really important. And it became very much a, a habit for us to use video at, at Broadsoft. And that, that, that enabled us to get together and, and really see, you know, see the, the team on a regular basis. And I think that's important. You just got to get together, you know, regularly with face-to-face. -face. You know, audio just doesn't cut it anymore. And I think we saw that over the pandemic that a lot of people weren't used to that because they weren't forced into a situation where they had to... Uh, to work remotely and um, you know as part of my lifestyle I always had that and uh you know i did i certainly didn't feel any change as we went into the pandemic myself because i've been doing that for 15 or so years before but i did notice a lot more people turning on their video and starting to to adopt those habits and i think that makes a uh, the, the face facetime makes a big difference so i think that's you know kind of primarily the the, the main the main recommendation I would have for anybody going remote is just you can't just do an audio call anymore. Oh, yeah, I agree. And it sounds like you were ahead of the pandemic having, um, you know, live remotely for quite a few years. Um, you had that in your DNA. And, and uh, was it, you know, pre-pandemic, and you kind of touched on it, was it hard to get your team to adopt video? Um, and, and how do you, do you have any tricks of the trade on how to get people to say, you know, I'm not going to be on audio. I'm going to be on video 90% of, of the time. <laughs> the tricks of the trade, turn your video on. I literally <laughs> just tell people, where's your video? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing, no, no rocket science, you know, it's just, you, you, you gotta expect that, uh, if, if you want to make connections today, that, uh, video is an, an important ingredient. And I think one of the challenges of course is, is, uh, a lot of the time I was the person that was remote and there's people on in an office together in a room and, and those video experiences 10 years ago weren't great because, you know, I'd probably be on a very big screen, you know, 20, 
20 times the size of me in, in the room. And then, <laughs> and then all I see is a bunch of faces sitting around a table and you can't really interact. And it, we've come such a long ways from that with all the technology today where, you know, video room systems can now zoom in on heads and, and divide them up into the screen. And, and, you know, the technology is really, that that's one great thing that, that uh, happened with the uh, the acceleration of, of features like that over the pandemic as those things became more um, standard for any any meeting system. But, uh, you know, at Cisco, we've got a lot of technology to, to, to help build better experiences on our video devices. And, and it's really quite leveraging AI, understanding who that face is and putting a label under it so you know who's sitting there and things like that. No, I, I, I agree. I think it's definitely come a long way, which makes it uh, easier to use and, and it has more impact. How did you um, end up at, uh, at Broadsoft, Jamie? What was your path to, to your career? <laughs> uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I already told you I'm from New Brunswick. I went to the University of New Brunswick and ended up uh, after, um, after uh, school at, at IBM in Toronto, working in a software lab there. And you know, I you know, I took an electrical engineering degree, and and uh, here's basically the biggest choice I made in my life was when I was placed at IBM at a school. Was um, they asked me, "Do you want to go to the hardware? You can either go down the hardware path or down the software path." And I asked, "What do I have to wear if I go down the hardware path every day?" They said, "Suit and tie." Software, I could wear jeans and a t-shirt. So that's how I ended up in software <laughs> with an electrical engineering degree. But uh, that, you know, that choice, you know, I ended up uh, working in the uh, the software lab in, in Toronto on the in the, in the in the compiler group, actually in the image, uh, in the the advanced imaging group, and then in the uh, in the compiler group. And um, I was there for a few years, and a friend of mine uh, called me from Memphis, Tennessee of all places and said, hey, I'm, I just started with a startup as like 1996 and uh, and he invited me to come down and, and interview with them. And and that's where I met uh, the founders of, of Broadsoft ultimately is at this uh, startup in Memphis called Cellcore. And they built a, we built a GSM switch for, for kind of emerging markets and uh, Scott Hoffauer and Mike Tess were there. And that's uh, kind of where we were, we met and, and uh, a number of those folks that were at the uh, the, the team in, in Memphis ended up joining Scott and Mike at, at, at Broadsoft. So that's kind of the origin story there. Oh, I love it. And and so you were there from pretty much the ground up. Um, can you walk us through, because one of the things, you know, from a startup perspective, uh, we've both done it, is, is the evolution from a small group to, you know, becoming uh, larger, ultimately, um, Brasov was acquired by by Cisco, but you know, in the early days of the growth phase, how did you uh, manage to grow your team? How did you uh, get people excited about joining, um, you know, a, a startup, which is always tough to do? How did how did you build that team out, Jamie? Well, you know, um, this was Brasov was like ninety eight, ninety nine, and it was kind of that boom area era of the internet, so. It was there was a lot of a lot of startups and a lot of a lot of money flying around to start startups and so there was a lot of um, a lot of people looking for those type of, of roles so that was a positive certainly for that time um, but uh, you know we uh, we had um, you know uh, an interesting we we, we were in, in in Maryland so I think one of the challenges there is you end up with uh, a lot of people in that area that aren't really um, uh, 
familiar with it. It, it was the opposite of of Silicon Valley. So I think yeah. our challenge was, uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to go to Silicon Valley. But the good thing about Maryland, you know, there is a, there's a heart of, of telecom in that area, you know, cable industries and things like that. So so we were able to get the right type of talent. But I think, uh, you know, our, our challenge was always just kind of a lot of people felt they needed to go out west. But we built a great team. And, and the, I think the good thing about that is when you hire those people in that type of uh, environment, they stay. There's people that that were loyal to what we were doing. And I think that's one of the, the successes of Broadsoft is the team and the core people were there throughout the journey. There wasn't a lot of churn, certainly at the management level, but there was even, you know, even, even at the, the director level and the leadership of the of the engineering groups and the product groups, they're very, very focused on what we were trying to get done. And and we, we built a, a great team that had a lot of fun. You know, I, I feel that, you know, Acme and Broadsoft had that sort of uh, same spirit as far as you know people staying and even staying afterwards and speaking about it you know very fondly how did you uh at broadsoft maintain that culture maybe just share what you think really worked because you're right like many of you stayed from you know the early days all the way through going public you're getting acquired how did you keep that core group together what are some of the things that really made it special well i think um uh you know, certainly it, it first of all comes from the leadership. I think Scott and Mike did a great job of of uh, focusing the team on what their strategy and vision was. And like I said, if that doesn't change and you know kind of stay the course, it's easier you know for, for people to, to kind of follow along. And and you have to I have to give them a lot of credit for for providing that leadership. And but I think at the cultural level, you know, there's just a a lot of um, you know a lot of uh, uh, good leaders um, underneath them that uh, were very, uh, very uh, dedicated and stayed the course too. I think when you have a lot of, a lot of churn, it's hard to keep people um, aligned and, and and going along with the vision. And I think, uh, you know, the uh, from a culture perspective, we we just had a lot of fun. Like you, you know, we we had uh, a very um, you know young team at the time. <laughs> we're all yeah. older now, but. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, we, we grew up together in a lot of a lot of cases we grew up we said you know we had people that got married throughout the course got kids and and uh, so you get to know people you become connected and even you know I certainly you know I, I said I was remote but I, I lived in Maryland um, for the first four three or four years of the Broadsoft um, journey and uh, you get to make those connections and and uh, you know when you when you, I, I frequently came back and and we had, uh, you know, we would have parties and get together. So it was, it was very, very much a focus on business, but we also had a lot of fun doing it. Right? Yeah, I think you have to in a startup because you're, you're working, uh, you know, people think they're going to do startups and, and not work hard. You're, you should yeah. have a lot of fun, but you're definitely going to work <laughs> yeah. uh, really hard. I, know I wanted to, to double down maybe a little bit on, on your role specifically is, you know, uh, director of, of product management, and and tell us a little bit about how you define what's needed in the product and the balance between customer requirements, market requirements, uh, timing. Like, you know, for some, many startup uh, individuals, that that's a big challenge. Not doing everything the customer wants, but making sure that you are doing, uh, you know, what the market needs and what's replicable. So, curious your thoughts on that and how you manage that process. 
Yeah, I mean, at Broadsoft, um, you know, we had uh, uh, we focused on our channel a lot and and worked through them because Broadsoft didn't sell directly to end customers, and certainly my role there was really you know understanding what each individual type of channel had from a customer segment and what their customer segment meant. Um, you know, at Cisco, um, I've had a couple roles. You know, I, I started off kind of helping with build out our our uh, our WebEx calling um, offering, and more recently, I've been you know focusing on the strategy. So I'm not not doing a lot of product management directly like I used to, but um, I think one of the big differences, you know, I work directly with the product team, but one of the big differences at Cisco is I see more of the end customer um, engagement. So spending more time with the customers and bringing those requirements back and understanding, you know, how that affects our strategy. So, you know, I think uh, a lot of it has to do with not just recognizing that you're you're serving a customer needs, but it's through a channel. The customer has to get value out of your product, but they are buying it through a channel. Channel has to make money selling the product. And then of course we have to make money at the, at the corporate level, you know, there has to be margin for everybody involved. So I think a lot of it is figuring out that balance of delivering the right set of features at the right price and, and making sure that the uh, the channel has their role to play as well. That, that makes sense. Um, and one of the areas you touched on, which I'd love to get your take is, you know, the transition from Broadsoft to Cisco, both personally and, and, and overall culture and company. Um, what are some of the major differences that you've seen after uh, the acquisition, you know, both the good and maybe the not so good? <laughs> uh, well, um, you know, like I said, Cisco is, is, uh, is a still a channel driven company like, like Broadsoft, but they have a complete sales force engaging with the end customer. And that, that is different than, than the, the model at, uh, that Broadsoft had. And um, that was a big change for me is just understanding how to engage with the sales team on the, on the field side and, and understanding what makes them, you know, what mo motivates them, of course. And, uh, you know, the, uh, and then also engaging with the end customer directly and spent a lot more time with that. And I think for me, that was a, a big, big change in, in, in the day to day and what, what that means for, product strategy and product product roadmaps um but uh you know i think you know, i i think the uh the value of the, the the uh the cisco machine is that they have this huge sales team of of end customer focusing on the end customer and uh that that made us you know made the uh, the the broad soft Product portfolio fit into a you know kind of a bigger strategy and and certainly the uh, the uh, the opportunity right now in, in the industry around hybrid work you know the the hardware portfolio that Cisco brings you know made me realize that you know as we look at the product strategy it's not just about software and a cloud it's about this whole solution end to end including the hardware that that enables it. So you know uh, speaking about development and and what's coming next. Uh, What's your take and what do you see as far as the future of uh, video you see? Like, what, what are the next cool things coming out? <laughs> um, well, like, like I said, the, uh, the, the, the pandemic has accelerated a lot of cool things on the, 
on the meeting side. And I think, you know, meetings has become, you know, a, a table stake for any any company now. You have to have some sort of meetings platform that you leverage. But um, I think the, the big the big change that I see coming is kind of around the, the transition of cloud PBX towards mobile, mobile cloud PBX, just mobile enabling all the uh, the uh, the enterprise knowledge workers today. And, you know, I think more, less and less they're going to need a desk phone. Of course, they're going to need they're going to need uh, an integrated solution with their their mobile phone, and that's going to be tightly integrated with how they they collaborate their meetings tools and things like that. So one of the things that you know I'm focusing on is just how does mobility kind of become part of the default the default endpoint in your in your UCAS solution. So I think there's a big change there. Mobile operators are obviously are important or play an important role in that. And uh, so I think um, I think that's one big thing. Uh, the customer engagement experience blending that with UCAS. So CCAS and UCAS kind of coming together so that there's less of a, a wall between those two platforms. Historically, they've been two different platforms. I think you're going to see the, the blending of CCAS and UCAS. And now, of course, everybody is looking at how, how do you actually customize that experience. So CPaaS, you know, how do you, yep. how do you leverage a, a, a CPaaS platform? And I think that's starting to go, you know, down market where more and more smaller companies are going to be able to leverage CPaaS platforms. They're, they become easier and low code, no code, easier to program. And if that's kind of pre-integrated with their, with their communications platforms, I think, you know, it becomes more accessible for a lot of businesses to, to digitize their customer experience. So in the end, you know, making it even easier to work remotely or from anywhere you are at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for everybody to have a, you know, at one point, you know, it was all about having a web page and having this, this uh, digital front end to your business. And you could look as big as you wanted on the web, even if you're a smaller company. Now, I think businesses also need that same sort of experience for the customer engagement channels through, through texting and through, through uh, IDRs and, and platforms like that. To, so everybody looks like a professional business, regardless of how what your size. And I think that's just becoming more and more accessible as we add, because we kind of bring together UCAS and CCAS and CPAS together. Yeah, no, that that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so the last question for you, Jamie, today, if you weren't uh, in in uh, tech, high tech startups, what would you be doing? Like, what, what would be uh, your other career path? Uh, I've often thought that I would love to be a recording, uh, be into to music recording. So spent a lot of time in my basement playing around with tools and stuff like that. But it's just, uh, you know, listening to music, I always like to listen to the different parts and how they chose to, to blend in the different uh, instruments and different vocals and different layers. I find that fascinating and just uh, fun to do. Fantastic. Well, Thank you, Jamie, for joining us today. Uh, we've got some great learnings on the culture, importance of uh, great leadership, having fun, and where you see tech CC is, is uh, going today and, and tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be posting our episodes every other week and follow us on LinkedIn. So, Jamie, you were awesome. Thank you so much, and great seeing you again. Great to see you, Dino.